You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we are kicking off hour number two on the program. It's Logan Gordon along with you in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one in the books. Lots of Calgary Flames talk. Reaction following a big 3-1 win over the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday. And a look at some Flames all-star candidates ahead of Thursday's initial announcement of NHL rosters for All-Star Weekend coming up in Toronto. If you missed any of that, be sure to check us out on the pod. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. We would love to have you along for the ride. Text line still open at 960-960. Outstanding producers on this Wednesday are Cam and Taylor. We're kicking off this hour with our first chat with our Wednesday regular for 2024. It's been a couple weeks. Looking forward to catching up with the co-host of the Fan Pre-Game Show on Sportsnet. It's our pal, Ailish Forfar, joining us. Ailish, Happy New Year. How are you? Hey, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas and everything. It's been a while. It has been a couple weeks. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. It's uh, good to get back into the swing. I'm not laying on my couch eating baked free <laughs> anymore. And, you know, I could feel like I'm active again and using my brain cells. So that's that's nice to get back into life. Yeah, it's good to uh, shake the cobwebs up and get back to it. <laughs> and uh, you've been busy the last couple of days. I was checking out on your Instagram. You went to a football game. You were at the PWHL opener. Get some cool <laughs> moments of the last couple of days. Yeah, I ended 2023 at the Bills game and sat in traffic on my way back to the city. <laughs> and then I started 2024 at the PWHL inaugural game. So honestly, like pretty great 24 hours. Uh, both games were awesome. Obviously, I'm a Bills fan, so that one worked for me. And then the yep. PWHL was like, honestly, like a, ugh, I have emotion just four days removed trying to like understand how monumental that was. So it's been really special. Like it's been a couple of days now, two days of games and I just can't believe the outpouring. Well, I guess I can't believe it of support and people messaging saying that they're watching and just like how great the debut has been because, you know, I've been kind of following it and been a part of it. And now like seeing my friends play, it's been, it's been really awesome. So yeah, lots of good things going on here. Yeah. Talk to me about, I've been excited to talk to you about it specifically I love our chats as always on Wednesdays, but I've been excited, you know, as the buildup came for that first game and we knew it was going to be a packed house and what it meant. And we, we talked to our colleague at sportsnet.ca, Christina Rutherford, who was in the building on Monday as well. And she said, you could just, it felt like a different atmosphere than any women's hockey game she'd ever gone to that it, it felt like a, a full on pro league and the merchandise stands were sold out and the media presence was huge what did it feel like for for you coming from a, a player's perspective and somebody that you know can look back and say that you were one of the people that kind of as grew the women's game into what it is now 
honestly, the, I got on the subway to go to the game, which is Old Maple Leaf Gardens, which is already pretty special, right? And it started when I was on the subway because I saw a bunch of young girls with their parents, with their teammates on the subway. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to be emotional all day because mm-hmm. they had signs. They were wearing old jerseys of, like, either Team Canada, Team USA, PW, uh, PHF, PWHPA, CWHL, like all the former leagues they had different gear like they had been fans they've been struggling to be able to come watch the girls play and they were all there getting ready to go to maple leaf garden so i saw that and i was like this is going to be something special i got off the subway the line from the subway to the arena started immediately like just to get into the building luckily i had a media pass so i get to skirt past everybody (laughs) Uh, because i was like the second i got in there it was absolute chaos excitement energy like young girls young boys their parents i ran into so many old coaches and old teammates and people i played with 15 years ago and we were all there because we knew how important that moment was for us for that next generation for the kids on the ice for the fans that had gone through all the different versions of hockey to watch this debut and it wasn't until I was watching warm-ups where I really realized like how different it I guess it felt sitting there because every game I've been to in the last couple years was like a team Canada team USA right where it's it's like a collection of people that come from you know wherever and they care for Canada or they care for United States but this was like Toronto has a fan base like the Maple Leafs would, like the Marlies would, like the Raptors. Like that will be Toronto's fan base. And I think it's going to feel different because you're going to have rivalries soon. You're going to have recognition of like you play for Toronto, not just you were at the Olympics or you played for, you know, Colgate. It's it's really different because you can start to build like a fandom. And that's really what's going to be what drives this league, I think, further and further is people want to be fans of a local team or a team that has a player connection to them. So looking around, you know, there's adorable little kids with signs that, you know, say, thank you for doing this for us. And like, that's what got me. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. It was really awesome. And it's too bad Toronto didn't score in that game. Cause I would have loved to see like the crowd pop a little bit. Unfortunately, yeah. New York kind of crushed them, but so that was Monday, and, and last night um, we got a chance to watch Montreal play Ottawa. And no offense to the Toronto crowd, but that was maybe the craziest sporting uh, women's hockey other than gold medal Olympics that I've ever seen. Like a record-breaking 8,000-plus. The YouTube stream has 20,000 people watching online. Like the accessibility has been amazing. People sold out arenas back-to-back nights. The crowd was electric. And I just, I'm almost, I don't know if it's really sunk in for the players because I've been talking to my friends that are playing. Yeah. They're just like, that was crazy. And I'm like, that's going to be this season. Like, isn't that amazing that it's not a one-off. It's not a rivalry series game that comes into town, you know, once a year. It's going to be this for your home games, for your away games, for playoffs. So it's really just the beginning. And I've been so inspired by like listeners and, and viewers of our show that have messaged me and been like, this is awesome, Alish. Like, how do I get tickets? Like, how, what do you know about this girl? Like, she looks really good. Have you have you met her before? Like, 
it just seems great that like new fans are being formed, right? And new yeah. fans really didn't have an opportunity to see players play for a long time. So that's what that's it. Like that's growing a fan base, growing the game and like actually putting meaning to those words that are often thrown around. So I can't say enough how excited I am and and how great it is to have one in our city. Like we're lucky. There's only six franchises. There's one right at our, our doorstep. So I'll be at every game. It'll be just so awesome to be there. And I love the point you make about consistency, because I think the biggest thing that I think would be tough being a fan of the women's game for, you know, even for young fans, as you mentioned, you know, you have the occasional Canada USA games, you obviously have the Olympics and sometimes the rivalry mm-hmm. series, but you have these long gaps in between, right? And mm-hmm. it's hard to be a fan sometimes when the, you know, the team that you love or the players that you follow, you only get to see them a couple times a year and then they kind of disappear off for a couple of months that, that sort of consistency of being in Toronto every couple of you know weeks for for game days and for home games and the opportunity to go consistently and follow along with these players on a season by season basis, I think that's going to do wonders for the game because I'd be the same way as a fan, right? If it was if only got to see them once or twice a year, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of the year I'm kind of not going to be as passionate or not kind of follow it as much. Mm-hmm. But I think this really gives you the opportunity that I think has obviously always been there, but maybe just hasn't been as accessible for people as much as they wanted it to be. Yeah, like I like when I played, I played uh, for Markham, obviously right outside the city of Toronto, and we had amazing fans, but we didn't have TV coverage. We didn't have like media members there telling our stories, and that league obviously wasn't successful. And the reason why this is so different is because there has been such an incredible buy-in, like dollars, yes, but coverage is really important. Like it's one thing to know the roster of the Olympic teams, as you mentioned, like everybody knows Hillary Knight and Marie-Philippe Poulin and Kendall Coyne Schofield. And there's so many players out there that are not recognizable yet because their story hasn't been told. They're straight out of college. Like they've come from another country. There's international players that you're going to start to learn and get to know. And that's what's so special about this league is like the Olympians, they get all the coverage. They're ready to give, some other people the opportunity to be talked about and to be shared and be on podcasts and be the people that are written about in the athletic and on sports.ca like there are incredible players that we're going to start to learn about because now they're in your backyard they're on tv you have a connection with them maybe they wear your favorite number and you've never heard of this player from you know chechia like there's like some really incredible players that are from different parts of the world that we're going to start to notice. So I think that that's what's going to make this year so special is it's not just about, you know, the top four players in the world. It's about an entire league that is now can be said the best league in the world for women to play in. So yeah, accessibility is going to be absolutely amazing. And I'm excited to try to find some of those stories that are a little bit less told and tell those because that's what, that's what makes those players feel appreciated and also helps them grow as athletes. So so much opportunity is here. It's funny um, because you mentioned Marie Philippe Poulin, and she was in Calgary for a, a charity golf event, and we got a chance to talk to her um, in the summertime, and she was so excited about it. And the best part about Marie Philippe Poulin, if you haven't heard her speak, is she's <laughs> so against like her own sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she just doesn't want to take credit for anything. She's this incredible athlete. She's got ice in her veins. She's one of, if not the greatest female hockey players of all time Mm -hmm. and she's all about everybody else she's all about her teammates and she didn't want to take credit for anything she didn't want to take credit for you know her role in any of this but 
you're right. There's I think there's a lot of ladies in this league who feel the same way that Marie does in a, in a different way, but are like, hey, I'm ready to share this with with other mm-hmm. players, and because there's there's more to the game than just Marie Philippe Poulin and and Brianne Jenner and Hillary Knight. There's a lot of great stories out there to be told, but they just didn't have the the platform before. And now that the big deal with TSN coming in and CBC and us here at Sportsnet, like that was a huge piece of news that came down and gave me a really good feeling about the future of this league. And like you mentioned it, the three major broadcast partners, like working together, that doesn't really happen often. Right. And no, and like selfishly, we want to, to share or have most of that ourselves, but to share in it is actually the best way to grow this. Right. There's, there's multiple broadcast partners in the States as well. There's streaming for free on YouTube. Like you have no excuse, but to watch this, it's so accessible. It makes a massive difference for people living all over North America and now internationally to watch it. And so I think like that, is going to make the biggest difference. I think we'll have some cool opportunities here with Sportsnet and with myself, like hopefully in the next little while to to get like more involved in terms of the broadcast, but telling the stories. Obviously, we've got the All-Star game coming up next month, which they'll have a lot of athletes here for. And so, yeah, it's the beginning of something like I hope, you know, in two months, it's just blown us away at how much it's grown and grown and grown. But there, no, there's nothing you could have wanted more over the last two games, uh, the last two game day experiences, the first two home openers for those teams to know that, like, this was needed, this is wanted, and the players feel so lucky and they've worked so hard for it. They're really humbled that it's finally happened to them. So it's it's awesome. And, and like, I'll give a quick plug to our show later. We have Stan Kasten on, and he's been, like, a founding member of the PWHA uh, PWHPA as well, and now PWHL, and he obviously is a Dodgers guy and got yep. show hey, so probably we'll bring that up maybe <laughs> once. Um, but like getting to talk to him later on on our show is going to be amazing because like the investment was millions and millions of dollars. Like, how do you know that this is the right time and the right group and the right people to buy in? Like, that's a leap of faith. And he's one of the guys that did that with Mark Walter's group and Billie Jean King. So it'll be interesting to talk to him about like, why is it going to work this time? Because there is hesitancy. Like you see the trolls, you know, there's people that are just like, this is the fifth time. It's like, I get it, but this is different because there's a CBA that's 10 years. There's structure that, that we never had in the women's game uh, that makes it more like longevity is, is the real goal here. Cause you can have, a couple great weeks of hockey, but you know, what happens in May? Are we still talking about it? Are we talking about it in August? Is the game getting better? Are, are girls, you know, growing um, out of college to come right here to the PWHL? So big questions to talk about. And we'll talk to him later, but I'm really curious to see how he frames it as the guy that put a lot of money on the line for this. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, I have to ask you, would uh, Alish Forfar enjoy a more physical any uh, PWHL game and maybe the one that you played in a couple years ago? Oh my God. I was obsessed with the first two games we watched. Like the girls were actually like, I was like, is everybody okay? Is there a fight going on? <laughs> I like messaged my friends. Like, I don't know if the Toronto game, Emma Malte, she's young. She's like half my size. She was rocking people like literally throwing body checks that when I played boys I played boys triple a growing up and that's when you learn to hit right like yep. if you didn't play boys hockey you never learned to hit and girls like that it just never was a thing so I was like how did all these girls learn to hit like we're 
they were crushing each other out there. I loved it. I definitely uh, would have been probably a grinder. So it might have actually benefited my style of play, not maybe the <laughs> finesse play. I, I probably would have. I probably would have laid a few hits. But I think that made the game so much more enjoyable to watch. And I think you know. I'm, I'm not going to stereotype all men, but like a lot of guys I talk to are like, well, the game isn't physical. It's boring. I'm like, well, have you seen it now? Because yeah, it's physical. So it, sure it, is. it definitely changed some perspectives, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing like, I think there'll be a fight this season. I, I'm open. <laughs> <for it. laughs> I loved it. Cause until uh, a few people started pointing out the, the rule book uh, uh, for the PWHL and sort of, I guess more of an acceptance of a physical style. Mm-hmm. I was watching the game on Monday and I was like, what, I was kind of with you. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, is there a natural rivalry going on between these girls I didn't know about? And we're kind of, like, it felt like a USA Canada kind of chippy on the edge, but the refs were letting it go. I was like, I love this. And now it's like, we're going to have this every night. I'm like, I am all for this. This was awesome. And I think some of you probably would be in the same boat. It was like, finally, you can kind of let that side of the game come out a little because I think, there's a natural physicality to hockey that sometimes I think, and you'd speak better to this than I would, but I think you kind of have to, I don't know if avoid's the right word, but maybe work around when the rules were so stringent against the physicality side of it in women's hockey before. Oh yeah. Like, you know, when I was playing NCAA, you would like the girls are, you know, the highest level that they could, they could be playing coll- collegiately, but you would often have to shy away from contact in the corners in front of the net because the refs would call everything and it slowed the game down and it made, you know, for more hesitancy. But if you can win a puck race and you know, you could actually lay a body on the girl to out muscle them. Like you're going to be able to change a little bit of your style of play. Like the, the Canadians, especially like there's a line, um, it was where the Montreal yesterday, the second line, um, they are like gritty fast and physical. And they couldn't really show that previously when they were like, uh, in for team Canada or for college. And now like they're leaning into that being a skill set of them um, and girls growing up now, maybe they could like instill that a little earlier, like maybe midget junior where the physicality yeah. can start then. And then you're already having it a part of your game. You know, you're learning how to give and receive, you know, hits. I'm using air quotes because they're not like mid ice hits, but they are like you know, physicality in the corner is important to like know how to do properly. So I wonder if the trickle effect will start in terms of like younger ages being able to be a bit more physical because that's important and off the top of my head before we move on you've got at least a couple of teammates from uh your time in markham that are on current roster i know jamie lee Rattray, obviously laura stacy i'm thinking mm-hmm. uh jocelyn as well oh, you would have like played so with jocelyn many. right <laughs> yeah like it's actually crazy i was going through with my colleague here justin because i was like which team like do i you know like friends wise have to cheer for <laughs> and i was like honestly like the the team with the least amount of people i've played with would be minnesota because a lot of them are american yeah but there isn't one team where i haven't either played with or played in a tournament or played against collegiately or obviously in the cwhl everybody you know everybody it's such a small world but i will i'll pledge my allegiance to team montreal because Laura Stacey's my maid of honor. I'm her maid of honor. And oh, there you Marie go. Plan, Marie Philippe Plan, who she's marrying, uh, one of my best friends too. So big, big, cool flex for me that those guys are like actually choosing to be friends with me. So I am a <laughs> Team Montreal fan because of the relationships. Uh, but also I think that they're like 
oh, like they're such a good team to cheer for, like best player in the world, best goaltender. Like, yeah, I think they'll do pretty good this year. So I'm, I'm a Montreal girl, and it's hard saying that in Toronto because I think, you know, it's kind of the uh, heel turn, but I'm ready for it. <laughs> Dude, major inside baseball, and, and nobody cares outside of you and me, but uh, in the summer when we got to interview Marie Philippe Plan, it was me and Pat who hosts Flames Talk here in Calgary. Mm-hmm. We were like starstruck. We were like, so cool. we knew that like <laughs> Mackenzie Weger was here and Stuart Skinner and they were all kind of doing, you know, this charity golf thing out here at a big golf tournament we have. But when uh, one of the organizers were like, yeah, Marie can come and like, talk for like 10, 15 minutes, we were like, please, absolutely. <laughs> we would love to have 10 minutes with Marie Philippe. We were yep. super, super starstruck. And I love bringing, I love every opportunity I get to be like, yeah. Talked to Marie Philippe Plan this summer. It was pretty cool. No big deal. Uh, uh, she's so and you, cool. She's the best. She was honestly just the uh, the absolute best. Uh, Ailish Forfar is along with us. She's our Wednesday regular here on Sportsnet today. Uh, let's talk a little Leafs, Ailish. Uh, lots going on mm. in Leafland right now. Um, <laughs> Ilya Samsonov not playing, but he gets a yeah. mental and physical reset. That's uh, That's not exactly what you want to hear from your goaltender, hey? No, that's been, honestly, the ups and downs of the season have all revolved around goaltending. Like, unfortunately, with Joseph Wall getting injured, it really gave Ilya Samsonov a door and, like, a platform to be the number one starter. And we all hope that he would grab that and run with it. And it's almost like it it did the opposite, really. Um, obviously, he's he's been quite honest, and I appreciate that, but sometimes it worries me um, when you're super honest in this market as a goaltender, when you say, like, it's been hard on my mental health, it's been hard on my family, I'm struggling a lot, because that's all people run with. And, like, we're all humans. Like, I can't imagine trying to play A, goaltender, B, in the National Hockey League, and C, in Toronto, where, like, it's so easy to be like, it's your fault. But, honestly, the Maple Leafs have been – falling short because of goaltending. So the fact that he did get um, sent through waivers, cleared, and he's technically with the Marlies, but is it going to play for a week uh, or even practice makes a lot of sense. Um, now the eyes turn to Martin Jones and possibly Dennis Hildeby, who is uh, the star for the Marlies this year, but hasn't played an NHL game and hasn't played many professional hockey games here in, in uh, North America. But there's a lot of excitement around it because this guy has been putting up great numbers and we just kind of want to see it. So actually, like, we're kind of waiting for today's news to find out if he's going to get his first start tonight in Anaheim or if they're going to give Martin Jones a back-to-back. But a lot of credit to Martin Jones, who was the third stringer this whole time. Like, just nobody wanted him. The Leafs signed him. He's just kind of been a journeyman. Puts up a shutout last night. He's just like a pro. Like, just yeah. does his thing. He's he's simple in the net. He's kind of the opposite of what Ilya Samsonov had been giving you in terms of just like steadiness, consistency, calm, um, good goaltending. So last night was a great example against a really good Kings team. And so we'll see tonight. Um, But it's definitely, if you had asked me three months ago on January road trip, who the goaltenders would be, I'd be like, wow, Samsonov and Wall, but it is zero of them. So, you know, ups and downs of Leafland here. <laughs> and, hey, if it doesn't work out in goal for Dennis Hildeby, I'm sure he'd get a spot with the Raptors. He's a monster. I thought I think oh what God. Elite Prospects had him at 6'7", 223. Like, what is this guy doing in pads and skates? Holy. I know. I think he'd be the tallest NHL or goaltender ever in the NHL. I think that was He's gotta be. that number one I saw. And then I think the tallest ever, like, to play – for the Maple Leafs in general. Like he is act like they're calling him Hill the Beast and it makes so much sense. <laughs> I love that. Uh that's a good <laughs> one. Uh and it sounds like uh from either our colleague Nick Kiprios or Elliot Friedman, 
Uh, we talked about this uh, earlier on the year. It feels like you had to come to some sort of agreement with uh, William Nylander with just how well he's playing. Uh, how uh, excited, what's the kind of vibe around Leafland as we kind of wait and see what happens with an extension for William Nylander? Yeah, it felt like this whole time nobody really thought that Willie wouldn't want to be a Leaf. He's been very steadfast. It's like, I love it here. I want to be here. But, you know, he's not the chattiest of guys in terms of, like, opening um, us into, like, the negotiation side of it. But, yeah, Kipper yesterday on Kipper and Bourne saying that he's hearing um, eight years, 11, 20, uh, 11.25. And then last night on the panel, Elliot Friedman confirming that it could get done as quick as this week. Um, so we're on our toes because it would be awesome to get that done. He wants to do it before the All-Star break. And he probably will be an all-star for the first time. I mean, the guy deserves a lot of money, you know, like 1125 is a lot, but look what he's been doing this year. He is absolutely one of the best players in the NHL. He had to kind of prove it year and he's doing it. He doubled down on it. He proved himself again. I'm not really that concerned because eight years is like, if you can lock in somebody of that caliber for eight years, like just like kind of what the Bruins have done with Pasternak, who's one of his best friends, like you kind of do it. I I do think it it punts a very important discussion about where Mitch Marner falls in to next year, but you know, we'll talk about that next year. But (laughs) for now, having done a contract possibly with, William Nylander, and of course with Austin Matthews, which seems very drama-free. It's a really good start to like the Trey Living experience, and I mean, people will be pumped to have Willie here. He has been, him and Austin Matthews have blown people away this season. Just when you thought they couldn't get better, right? So yeah. it's exciting. I'm, I'm hoping it happens like while we're on the air, or you know, <laughs> when we're about to go on the air, yeah. because it's nice to get breaking news, and that would be that'd be awesome news. Uh, last but not least, how much do uh, you guys out in the East dread these West Coast trips for the league? Because what was it? Was it a 10.30 start last night? Okay, so usually it's fine because I'm not on Leafs Talk. But last night, J.D. Bunkus, who hosts Leafs Talk with Sam McKee, he's off this week. So I did Leafs Talk. Oh, wonderful. We didn't log on till 1.30 to do the post-game YouTube show. And I honestly was, like, in my pajamas. I'm like, I don't care. Like, whatever. It was really fun, though, because I think we were a bit, like, loopy. So we were just, like, cracking jokes at Bertuzzi style. But, yeah, last night was hilarious because I usually don't have to do that show. I did it. And then tonight we also have the game on Sports at 590 Fans. So we're doing the entire game, which starts at 9, which isn't that bad. But then we're also doing Leaf Talk again. So, honestly, the last two days I'm getting no sleep, but I literally did nothing over the holidays. So I guess I kind of, like, can make up for it. <laughs> I didn't like exert one physical brain cell or anything so it's good to get back to work yes. yeah, west coast trip is uh, something special i'll tell you that i've told you i've always loved being on the west Co- on the western in the mountain time zone because the latest mm-hmm. we ever get maybe is an 8 30 in san jose oh yeah uh, I, I couldn't imagine being on like the 10 30 start would just drive I me know. nuts and then you're talking then about drop going the on puck at 10 30 yeah. like they drop it at 10 47 <laughs> exactly. and you're like let's just get this thing go i'm like <laughs> watching the clock and then the third period, they had like 15 whistles in the span yep. of like two minutes. And I was like, guys, enough. <laughs> <laughs> got a whole post game show to do. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's hurry this up. Uh, I'm glad yeah. you had a great break. Uh, it was great to catch up with you as always, Ailish. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy the hockey tonight. Then we'll talk with you next week, hey? Yeah. Thanks so much. We'll chat soon. See you, Ailish. Ailish Forfar joining us from Sportsnet, host of the fan pregame show, uh, F- uh, Leafs and Ducks, part of two NHL games. On this Wednesday, it gets going at 5.30 with the Devils and the Capitals. And then the Sportsnet Television Network's got Leafs and Ducks puck drop at 7 o'clock Calgary time, 9 Eastern for our friends out east. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We're putting a bow 
on the NFL fantasy season as uh, week 18 is set to close out the regular season of NFL football. So one last time to check in with our fantasy football guru, Andy McNamara. He's next when Sportsnet Today returns on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Got a weekend full of NFL football coming your way Saturday and Sunday. Lots still to be decided. Five playoff spots still up for grabs. Division crowns still to be decided. And uh, maybe even, there might just be a few of you out there that still have some fantasy football questions. I don't know how many people ride into week 18 for fantasy football, but... For most of us, the championship has come and gone. And whenever we talk NFL fantasy football, there's only one guy we go to. It's our fantasy football guru here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, Andy McNamara, joining us on this Wednesday. AMC, Happy New Year, pal. How are you? Happy New Year, Logan. Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Looking forward to a busy week 18. We got a lot of great games on tap. And uh, as you and me know, uh, week 17 usually means... For a lot of us, at least, the, the culmination of the fantasy season. It should. It should. It if should. you're playing your championships, oh, if you're playing your championship this, this week, uh, folks, get a new commissioner next year. Because <laughs> you are, there's a lot of, like, Lamar Jackson sitting, Patrick Mahomes is sitting, like, this is not the week to be having a championship game. So hopefully you're just going the, you know, the DFS route the rest of the way through the playoffs for fantasy purposes. Uh, that being said, if you do happen to have a week 18 league championship coming up, uh, you can still text us some questions for Andy. If we uh, don't get enough, we won't do ask Andy. Uh, but if you happen to have some keeper questions, uh, mm. you've got some draft decisions to make, that sort of thing. It's very early on. But uh, if you want some of that advice, feel free to give us a text at 960-960. Obviously, with most leagues wrapping up in Week 17, I'm not expecting there to be a ton on the text line, but putting that out there for our listeners who are listening live uh, just in case they have uh, some of those. But while we wait and see how busy we get for Ask Andy, uh, Mr. McNamara, how did uh, your fantasy football season end up uh, after Week 17? How did you do in your leagues? It went pretty good. It went pretty good, man. Like, so I'm in four leagues this year, uh, and I made the playoffs in all four. So that's really number one, right? If you make the playoffs in your fantasy league, that's kind of that, that first check because it is such a grind, as we know, and, and you're going waiver wires and all the injuries and all that. So to make the playoffs, I considered that in all leagues a check. I won the first week in all of my fantasy league. So that was good, too. So I did advance, and when it all was said and done, I finished sixth in one third in two and won the championship in one of them. And that was, uh, that was a big one. That was a uh, ESPN radio league out of um, Atlantic city that I'm, I'm in ESPN radio. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with that one. So I got some good bragging rights. Nice. Good. To, good for you, man. Uh, always love to hear that. Yeah. Even making the playoffs in, in fantasy football can be uh, a tough one. I, I, I know yeah. people like to, to win it all. And that's always the, the end goal, but don't, uh, if you're in a 12 team league, you're in a 14 team league, uh, you did enough work to to find your way even in the playoffs. That's an accomplishment in itself. Sometimes it is. It is absolutely. You know, and you and you have to to weave and, and wind your way through. And that's why you know each week we do hashtag Ask Andy on this show to hopefully help listeners along the way. And and I hope uh, you know we were we were helpful to many of the listeners to get into the playoffs. And then you just got to get some of the bounces. Like one league, the league I finished sixth in Logan is probably the one I'm the most proud in because. I had so many injuries. Like I had to make the playoffs off the back of signing Zamir White and Chandler and playing like 
I, I think Gardner Minshew, like it was, a, I, I was ravaged with injury. So that was like, even though the championship is the goal, like that was the one to even get into the playoffs and advance. I was, I think most proud of. Uh, so some questions as we look back on this fantasy football season for you, when you talk about maybe the mistakes along the way, you look back to, to when we started and where we projected mm-hmm. guys out and it's always fun. I always love taking a picture of my fantasy team right after the draft and then one right after the, the last week just to see how different my teams wound up being because without a doubt, injuries played a chance, waivers played a big thing, and there were oh, yeah. always guys that we projected, Andy, that went way higher than we thought were going to, guys that reached new lows. When you look back at it, mm. who were some of the guys that you were really high on heading into the season that maybe didn't perform as well as you thought they would? I would say Tony Pollard really jumps to mind because this was supposed to be, and in the end he was uh, in PPR, I'm looking RB 14. So if you take it in a nutshell, it's like, okay, it was that he was in a high RB two, but that's not where he was drafted. He was drafted, you know, six, seven, eight range, maybe a bit higher expected to really take over the load. If nothing else, at least we learned and had the question answered for what Tony Pollard was. There's a lot of people just get Zeke out of the way. Just get Zeke out of the way. (laughs) Well, I think now what we've dis- we've discovered is Tony Pollard belongs in a committee. He's a good running back, but he's an RB two, and he should be drafted as such going forward. So that was that one really jumps out to me as like the big disappointment. Like, oh man, from what we thought we would get um, to him, and then Bijan Robinson. I'm not blaming him. Arthur Smith stinks as a head coach. I hope he gets fired from Atlanta. Get some oh. get someone competent in there to 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 really bring out the fantasy quality in those weapons on the Falcons. Uh, Bijan Robinson, of no fault of his own, uh, another disappointment. Uh, opposite side of the coin. Uh, maybe somebody that you didn't have as maybe uh, a stud that came out of nowhere that maybe you, oh. you had questions about. Who would you put in that category? Oh, man. Well, in, in the league I won the championship in, I got Kyron Williams off of waivers. What's yeah. up? Yeah, oh, let's like go. That's, that's a league winner. Yep. That's a league winner right there. Kyron Williams... RB five overall out of nowhere. Um, I think Raheem Mostert as the third top running back. Like remember in the preseason, like and the start of the year, Logan, we were talking and it's like, all right, Miami is like four running backs. Ah, I don't know. You got Wilson. Most you thought Mostert might be, you know, kind of a if you're lucky, a fringe RB two sometimes. Yeah, I turned out to be an absolute star. I think he's thirty. If not, he's like 29. Like he's like, yeah, he's... everything was written against him not being that guy. And he was that guy. And then some, so those, those are two that really popped in mind. I think also uh, honorable mention to Rashad white, Tampa Bay's running back situation had been um, floundering for some time. He's the sixth guy. Um, so yeah, I think those are, those are three names that really jump out as like, yeah, you know what, for where you drafted him. And in Williams's cases, undrafted likely yep. uh, those really performed. Who are you quitting? heading into next season. Who is your 2024 New Year's resolution? I'm not drafting you anymore. Uh, We've been down this road before. You've burned me one too many times. Who after this last season does Andy McNamara have zero faith in anymore that's going to be in fantasy lineups next year? Oh, boy. You know what? I think it's time to put DeAndre Hopkins in the Julio Jones at the end of his career category. Yeah, I think we're there. Um, and, And maybe another year with, with all Will Levis. Cause he kind of popped up a little bit. We'll do something different, but WR 26 for Deandre Hopkins from where he was at. Oh, you know, all his fault in a, in a run for maybe not, but man, that's just somebody who 
name recognition keeps popping up to you. Like, okay, get DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. And, and it was the same. I, I keep going back to the Julio Jones thing where that lingered for a couple of years too long, right? Yes. Where it was like, yeah, Julio, yeah. And I was like, oh, hmm. and you look, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, wasn't that great? And then next year, it's like, ah, Julio. <laughs> you know, and I think DeAndre Hopkins is in that spot. You know, like he finished um, below Zay Flowers of the Ravens. Wow. You know, below Rashi Rice yep. of Kansas City. We talked about how Kansas City is no wide receivers below Rashi Rice, below Garrett Wilson with with his four, 14 quarterback problems. Like, yeah, uh, I think I think Hopkins is that guy for me. It's like, you know what? I'm good. That's enough. Uh, what about a guy like Austin Eckler? Is he in that category for you too? Or does maybe a change oh. of scenery still give you a bit of hope? Eckler's tricky, man, because he's still so talented, but then it fell off. In the coaching situation, it was toxic there, right? Yep. Absolutely toxic. And you know what? For disappointment, yeah, you got to put Eckler in there because he was being drafted a top three, four pick. And in PPR, RB25. So even below RB2, an RB3 for Eckler. Now he was banged up a bit and just, just kind of a mess of a year. He flop, popped, I, I think, in like four games, four or five games, and that was that was really it. Um I would say, depending on situation, I'd be willing to take a swing on Eckler again, but not in the first round. Like, I think if, if I can get Eckler, let's say he goes to a good situation um, and he's the guy. But, we, but, Logan, we have to remember how fast things blow up. Dalvin Cook released by the Jets. He was zero all year. Nothing. And this time last year, it was like, boy, good season for Dalvin Cook again. Yeah. It, it, you snap your fingers for running backs and it's gone. So it could easily be. Austin Eckler, toast to the town for, for many a year and now wiped out and forgotten. That's how dangerous this running back position is. It goes quickly. And I, I hope, because uh, I met Austin Eckler in Vegas, like a super nice guy. So I hope for his sake personally um, that he's good, but it, it really depends on landing spot. He has to get out of uh, the Chargers facility. Uh, some more positive uh, notes going forward. Who excites you the most going forward? Uh, from fantasy football, maybe some younger guys that took a big step forward. Mm-hmm. Who are guys that you're looking forward to drafting next season? You know who I'm, I'm interested in, and it was somebody that, and I'm still not totally sold on it because I still have to see the development. But I think James Cook of the Buffalo Bills. We talk about Dalvin Cook, his brother, James. Yep. Um, that was a guy who finished RB11 this year. And that's another out of nowhere one. And I'm thinking if you get... Because I think you have to make, no matter how the Bills do, you're going to have to make some offensive tweaks. So if you get a spot where you can you can rely more on the run game, something like a, a James Cook kind of interests me. Of like, okay, where where could this go with the arm talent of a um, of a of a Josh Allen? Right? Where does that where does that go? Uh, and and Jameer Gibbs, I hope like the David Montgomery, the vulture of vultures. In the end, in the end, despite all our hand wringing and everything about Jameer Gibbs. He finished RB8, which I think is going to surprise a lot of people. Yes. That's somebody I would like to say, hey, you know what? You're the guy. Year two, let's go. Full, full go. Have a compliment, but don't mess around. Give this guy the keys. Because through all those easing him and easing him, in, it took till week seven for him to really break free. So think about this, Logan. Before week seven, he had done nothing. He only reached double-digit fantasy points once, and it was 12. <laughs> so from week seven to week 17, this guy willed his way up to being the eighth-best running back in PPR. I think that's pretty damn impressive. 
Yeah, not bad. Uh, when it didn't seem like that was going to happen at first. I remember the first week no. with uh, the number of carries. Everyone's going, "What are we doing?" And you thought, right? Maybe it was going to be a Bijan situation in in Atlanta. Oh. And all of a sudden, it uh, didn't turn into anything quite like that, and it very easily could have. Yes, and even so, like Bijan Robinson again with all the Henry still finished number twelve. So yeah. still technically an RB one. Like for where you drafted him, you probably don't love it, but at least it turned out to be serviceable, right? Yeah. Was this year, um, in your mind, uh, a reminder that the top of the draft is for drafting your studs and to, you know, continue mm. to roll with those guys? And I mean that with, like, a Tyreek Hill, uh, a Christian mm. McCaffrey, C.D. Lamb, those kind of guys, that those are, are still going to be the kind of guys that go at the top of drafts, and that shouldn't change with uh, anything that happened this year? Yeah, I think so. But in the same breath, you know, like I said, Austin Eckler was drafted in a lot of places, what? Pretty you know, high. Third overall, yep. right? Like, there's no guarantees. You know, and Christian McCaffrey still, there's always that lingering, like, ooh, what about the injury stuff? And he proved himself to be an MVP candidate overall in fantasy and otherwise. Just absolute ridiculous. But, yeah, you got to go with the studs. And I think, once again, it proved that you can wait on quarterbacks, right? People That's got, a good point, got yeah. silly with Patrick Mahomes. People got silly. Patrick Mahomes is QB seven this year. Guys above him. Listen to this. Guys above Brock Purdy. Where could you have gotten Brock Purdy? Right. Jordan Love. Logan, I couldn't believe this when I saw it. Jordan Love QB five in fantasy. Jordan Love. Unbelievable finish of the year. Yes, I got him. I'm in one super flex league. I got him off waivers in like I don't know week six or something, and I'm I'm laughing. Like it's, it's great. Like, where you were able to get him? Still, Dak Prescott never getting the respect he deserves. You get him later, and he finished QB4. Even old Bake Show, our guy Baker Mayfield, QB9. How about that? Yep. Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting one to look for, and maybe not. Uh, it's, I understand a lot of people now that, that wait on QBs. I mean, CJ Stroud would have been picked up off of, oh. off of waivers and probably won some leagues for teams. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. Like, absolutely. That's another great point. No, and, and I'm I'm a CJ Stroud fan. I was a truther of him before the draft, similar to the Jalen Hurts, you know, believing in him before coming out of college. But boy, even the most optimistic, uh, <laughs> you know, CJ <laughs> Stroud fan couldn't have seen that coming. Yeah, like unbelievable. Then he got banged up at the end. So he had to you know make through. But up until um, he got hurt, you were looking what week week twelve, absolute stud. Yeah, right, hundred percent. So, you know, and then you have guys too that would have been drafted way higher than him. Justin Herbert got hurt, but he wasn't lighting it up. Bad situation. Justin Fields came on later. Where does he end up? There's lots of interesting nuggets as to where, what replacements come in to help a Justin Herbert, let's say, at the coaching side and weapons. And then where does Justin Fields go? Is he staying in Chicago? Does he get traded to, let's say, in Atlanta with a new coach that could be like, oh man, hey, I got a guy who, you know, if if we help, like, imagine you get Justin Fields in with a competent guy, and he's feeding it to Kyle Pitts, Drake London, feeding Bijan. Like, let's go. Uh, Andy McNamara is along with us, our fantasy football guru, putting a wrap on a, another successful season uh, talking fantasy football here on the Sportsnet 960 airwaves. Uh, a couple more for you. I, I'm curious how you see a young tight end like Sam Laporta going forward. Uh, how much has that guy increased his draft stock heading into next year? Boy, top in uh, in standard. I'm going to check PPR two here. In standard, he was number one 
in PPR, I bet you it's the same. Yep, number one, ahead of Travis Kelsey. Crazy. Ahead of Travis Kelsey. 225.4 total points, 219 for Travis Kelsey. Unreal. I, like, this, is, this is what the tight end fantasy world needed. We needed somebody new. We needed somebody else that wasn't <laughs> Travis Kelsey. And then you drop down to TJ Hawkinson, who finished number three. And then you're just, again, George Kill hasn't been healthy in what seems like forever, and you're just sprinkling in everybody else. Sam Laporta broke the mold for, uh, for tight ends. A, a guy, Brock Bowers, keep an eye on him coming out of college this year. This could be a same, depending where you go. Like, you have to end up. If you end up with some old-school coach who is a defensive mind, you're probably, yeah, might not be in a good situation. But if you land in a spot that they free you up like Detroit did with Sam Laporta, check out uh, Brock Bowers is going to be the real deal. That's going to be somebody for – uh, you know, rookie drafts and all that, that if you need a tight end, you want to get some shares of that guy. Yeah, and maybe this season gave us some from future tight ends to to invest in. Laporta's obviously there. The Trey McBride had a great season in Arizona. Yeah. Um, Kincaid flashed during some injuries for Dawson yeah. Knox. Uh, How about Njoku? Yes, David Njoku, Njoku came back big time. Isaiah Likely showed out well in the end of the season mm-hmm. when uh, Mark Andrews was hurt. So, uh, interesting. The tight end position might get some some play the next couple of years in a place that's kind of been a graveyard for, for talent past the top couple of guys. Well, so here's the thing, and it was the same thing last year, and I always like looking at this, especially with the tight end. The average fantasy points per game, and I think it's probably the only position group, maybe running backs catching up a little bit, but where you look at, and we think, okay, if you're a top 12 position player in fantasy, you had a great season, right? Top 12. Well, here's the number 12 guy, for fantasy football. Dalton Kincaid, who you mentioned, who didn't even really get a full share all season, he averaged, Logan, nine fantasy points a game, and he is a TE1. Yep. Isn't that, isn't that wild? And Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews has been out since week 12, and he finished 11th. <laughs> isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah, it's just one of those positions, man. You can never, yeah. you can never really guess where it's going to go, and uh, it's been sort of the weirdest position to, outside of Travis Kelsey, who, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say maybe lost a step this year, but was still one of the more consistent options. There just hasn't been that much to look at. No, the only consistent options, and the top three finished with 14-plus uh, fantasy points a game. Sam Laporta, 14.1, number one. Kelsey, 14.6. And Hawkinson, 14.6. He actually just finished .4 fantasy points under Kelsey, so pretty much a tie for second. And then you drop down to Evan Ingram of the, of the uh, Jaguars surprised me at being four at 12.9 average fantasy points he jumped up and I think maybe that was because Calvin Ridley wasn't necessarily the impact player that we were hoping for I still think he's going to bounce back next year full year back in um but Ingram would be a big surprise there and he finished one spot above uh Kittle and then Njoku was sixth uh before we let you go aside from fantasy what are you looking most forward to in week 18 still lots to be decided uh this week the NFL's got to love this new playoff format man because we got a lot on the line for some games this weekend. Oh, boy. Yeah, it, it really is. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who wins the AFC South because that's who my Cleveland Browns are going to play. Yes, sir. Locked up, locked up the fifth seed top wildcard spot. So it, it's going to be interesting because Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars plays the Titans and good on the NFL schedule. Like A lot of these games are all like division games, right? So they all have that extra punch to it. Um but they're in Tennessee playing the Titans. Trevor Lawrence banged up shoulder, missed last week, trying to play. If the Jags win, they're in. If they lose, then the winner of the Texans-Colts game, which is Saturday, 
which is a huge game because that that game, whoever wins that game will be waiting around to see what happens to Jacksonville on Sunday. So that's that's a weird division because all three teams are at nine and seven, and none of them are great, but none of them are are bad and can beat you on any day. So that that division turned out to be pretty interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun, and your Browns, like you said. Uh, get a chance Ooh. to rest Joe Flacco. Who would have thought that would yeah. have been the case? And, and they get oh to God. get uh, healthy this week. And uh, I imagine you've got uh, lots to talk about on the pod over the next couple of weeks, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to do a nice big fantasy football wrap up. My buddy Show Ali is going to come on with me this Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. You can find that on YouTube, on Twitter, X, at SickPodBrowns, at AndyMC81, and Instagram at Andy MC sports. Uh, so we're going to do fantasy football kind of wrap up hero zeros, kind of your, your, a bit of a look ahead too, like we talked about today and then lots of Browns and NFL playoff talk, getting ready for, uh, for that. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Andy always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming on with us this year. Oh. Uh, I love these conversations. I know you did a couple with PK during the year as well. It's always, always such a blast. You know, we'll be talking soon to chat some NFL, but uh, just a, a wholehearted thank you from me and everybody who, uh, who tunes into this segment every week, man. Oh, Logan, I lo- absolutely love coming on with you guys and to all the listeners. They're, they're so great and interactive and um, I get a, a real pleasure out of it. So thank you. And thank you to the listeners. And yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll be talking fantasy soon enough. Absolutely. We will pal. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck to your Browns in the postseason. Hey man. Yeah. All right. Thanks buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Talk yeah. soon. Andy McNamara joining us, putting a wrap on our weekly segments with Andy. Uh, as the fantasy football seasons come to an end and we're uh, focusing in on the last regular season week of NFL football. And soon enough, uh, we'll be chatting playoffs here on Sportsnet 960. Again, another thank you uh, to Andy McNamara for joining us every single week here. Uh, Ask Andy is a great segment. I love doing it. I love bringing you guys on uh, on the text line to ask your questions. I know fantasy football isn't for everybody. It's not everybody's thing, but uh, I know there's enough of you that listen to the show that love uh, Andy's perspective. He's so good about uh, helping out listeners and helping people with their leagues. Uh, he's just an absolute blast, and I had a great season with him. Can't wait to do it again uh, when fantasy rolls around again next season with Andy McNamara. Uh, that puts a wrap on our show. We got to get out of here. We got to make way for Real Kipper and Bourne this afternoon. Steinberg and Vickers have you for Flames Talk. We've got Calgary Hitman Hockey on your radio tonight. They are in Vancouver to take on Sam Honzik and the. Vancouver Giants, so you don't want to miss that. That's an 8 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, and in case you missed anything on the show today, lots of Flames talking hour one. Ailish Forfar joined us early this hour. Uh, any of it uh, that you missed is on the pod at Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite uh, podcatcher. We'd love to have you along for the ride. Uh, or if you listen today, you listen live to the program, appreciate you as well. A big thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work as well. When we're back tomorrow, we'll get you set for the Flames and the Nashville Predators game two of this four-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. We'll also check in with our pal Adnan Verk. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Back tomorrow with another edition of Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.